Today I'm going to talk about The Gusher, a film from 1913. When I was reading about the earliest years of filmmaking, there were a couple names that kept popping up that I wasn't familiar with. It was Mabel Normand and Ford Sterling. What a great name, Ford Sterling. I had to find out, is that his real name? And of course, it was not. He was born George Ford Stitch Jr. So I don't blame him for changing his name. I mean, I want to change my name to Ford Sterling now because it's just such a cool name. Ford Sterling. Could be an actor. Could be anything, really. Uh, so anyway, Sterling got started in acting in 1911. He was at Biograph. And when Max Sennett, who was one of the directors working for Biograph, left and started Keystone Studios the next year in 1912, Sterling went along with him. And by 1913, Sterling was one of Hollywood's top comic film stars. Although the film I watched just now, The Gusher, which came out uh, December 15th, 1913, kind of represents the beginning of the end of that run because Charlie Chaplin was about to come out. Charlie Chaplin's first movies came out a couple months later in early February of 1914. Uh, but for the moment, anyway, Sterling was the king of comedy in Hollywood. And the queen of comedy was his co-star in this film, which is Mabel Normand, the other name I kept hearing about. Uh, they both worked for Keystone, and Norman was actually the biggest star Keystone had. Uh, she was like Florence Lawrence to Biograph. Florence Lawrence was the Biograph girl. Keystone had Mabel Norman. She was the Keystone girl. And she had starred in a whole bunch of films for them, and she usually played Mabel. You know, it's her name, Mabel, but the character was Mabel, and it was kind of like this recurring character in these films. And Mabel was a cute kind of scatterbrained young girl who was always finding herself in the center of some ridiculous comedic adventure. And just like with Sterling, the gusher was kind of a bookend to that part of her career because it was one of the final Keystone pictures that presented that version of Mabel, the crazy half-witted ingenue. Shortly after this film, Norman started directing her own films because she was convinced that audiences wanted more than just this cute, naive girl getting into trouble. She kept making what they called the Mabels, but she started adding more complex plots. And even though Max Sennett was against it, she kind of gave more pathos and more intelligence to Mabel. And it worked. It worked really well. Her post-Keystone Girl career really blossomed. She became even more popular as an actress and as a director. And then Ford Sterling also, he adapted to as Chaplin became the obvious new kid, you know, new king in the comedy world. Sterling started doing more serious roles and he became successful at that. I have The Gusher on a DVD. I linked it in the written version of this if you want to check. There's always a, when I have a DVD, I put a picture of it up there and a link where you can buy it. Um, but it's actually kind of an extra feature. The DVD is for a film called The Extra Girl which is another Mabel Norman film that I'll eventually watch. It came out later. But based on The Gusher and all the things I've read about Mabel Norman, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of her. I know she co-stars with Charlie Chaplin in a film I'm going to watch soon, but I'm going to be on the lookout for other stuff she did. As far as The Gusher, obviously it's about an oil well. That's what a gusher is. The story's pretty straightforward. Most of these short films have been pretty straightforward plot-wise. In this one, Sterling and Norman are engaged, and he promises her he's going to get rich before they get married. 
And then Charles Inslee shows up. He was also a regular in these Mabels. Uh, he was also the one who played George Redfeather in The Call of the Wild, which I watched a while back. So he had the lead in that. He's kind of the villain in this one. He cons Sterling into buying this worthless piece of property. He has his cohorts. They pour a bunch of oil onto the ground. And so when Sterling sees that, he goes crazy. He starts bidding for it. He, he wants to buy it. Inslee has his, you know, his little plants, basically. His buddies pretend they want it, and so he outbids them. And now he thinks he's an oil king. But then one of Inslee's buddies tells him, ha-ha, we tricked you. And he realizes what happened. And he goes to his new property. He slams his cane in the ground, and he strikes oil. And now he's rich. He's rich for real this time. Until Inslee who is upset that he missed his own chance at becoming an oil kingpin, sets fire to the oil. And at this point, I understood exactly why this film was made. Because that scene of the burning oil well was not shot with special effects. It's clearly a real fire at a real oil field. So Keystone must have acquired the footage of this burning oil field, which was obviously a rare and impressive thing at the time, and they built the entire film around it. They scripted something to end with an oil well fire. Because honestly, the film works better without it. If the film had just ended at that point, when he strikes oil, then you've got a great comedy. You have, he got conned, but he got over on the con man and he got the happy ending. Instead, nobody really gets a happy ending. The Keystone cops, they show up. It's, they always do. It's a Keystone film. You always have to have the Keystone cops. They bumble in. They arrest Inslee, and then no one is in a good position, really. Sterling and Norman, they're still broke. They now have a burnt oil field. Inslee is in jail. Everyone lost, except the audience, I guess. The audience wins. They get a comedy, plus they get to see a burning oil field. So maybe it was worth it. I don't know. Anyway, that's it. That's the gusher. Next, I'm going to watch Making a Living from 1914, which is directed by Henry Lerman.